You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. Right, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to the second week of uh, Mindful Parenting, where our main theme is resilience. Um, uh, today I have two brothers who um, have a range of experiences uh, and I'm going to just ask them briefly to introduce their name and the range of work that they, they do inshallah starting with, with Brother Abad. Assalamu alaikum. Um, my name is uh, Abad and uh, I'm a chaplain at Pullman Young Offenders Institute and uh, also manage uh, some kids classes in the West End of Glasgow teaching Quran and Islamic studies. Um, yourself? Assalamu alaikum, Abdul Mateen, qualified as a dentist and now father of four, uh, which qualifies me probably for this show, uh, mindful parenting, and uh, more recently involved in, uh, or re-involved in the, the work I did when I grew up, which is scouting and outdoors activities, especially with the youth, and I also involved in prison work and have some experience with uh, the young offenders. Um, you you may be wondering um, why maybe some of the topics or today's topic I'm, I'm kind of raising with yourselves. Uh, uh, recently, I watched a, a film about resilience, and they were talking about uh, something. It was an ACE study that was carried out in the United States, uh, which means adverse childhood experiences. And on this, they had ten items in that list, um, ranging from simple things like uh, um, uh, domestic. Um, uh, problems or um, or abuse or depression or divorce and it goes all the way up to the scales of, of drug and alcohol or separation etc. And what was really um, eye-opening in this report is that they could directly correlate these adverse experiences that children had by the age of seven and what would um, what was happening to them later on in life. I mean some of the stats were you know, if, if they had four or more of these adverse experiences, by the age of seven, they were more likely to commit suicide. That they were, they had four times more likeliness that they would be smoking, nine times more likely that they could be incarcerated or in prison, um, and three times more likely to become uh, obese, and four times to be involved in drink, etc. And it was, it was shocking, and in fact, it caused all, um, them to do um, work on these areas and they saw significant changes in their local areas. But yourselves in particular working in um, youth offence and in, uh, in the prison service, do you see um, these type of correlations, do you see something about their childhoods, uh, ch- um, child- childhood and, and that experience? I, as my role in Chaplinsley developed and I took advantage of listening as a counsellor rather than speaking as a a preacher, I began to realise that more and more of the adults in prison are still young children who made very bad decisions and have spent a large portion of their life incarcerated, but they still are uh, that child uh, deep down. And most of the prisoners that I talk with and listen to, they all reflect back and view themselves actually as a victim. Uh, We as society view them as the oppressors, but they view themselves as oppressed. And that's sometimes uh, a a deeper down issue that we don't quite get to. We always look to wanting to punish these people, these youngsters who've made bad decisions need punished because they're bad boys. 
And if you keep on telling children that they're bad boys and punishing them, they will keep on fulfilling that role of being, being the bad, the bad boy. boy. Yes, yeah, yeah. What about yourself? I mean? Yeah, I'd say that, well, with the young people that I've come across, um, you do find that, yeah, like as Brother Abdul-Mateen said, that um, it can start quite young. They can start getting into problems at school. Um, and then from there, they seem to not be able to get over that. So either the, the family uh, tries to do something in order to make it better but in actual fact sometimes makes it worse you know maybe turns to um, you know trying to be a bit more harsh with them to try and get them out of it right but in actual fact instead of coming out of it you find it um, exasperates it, it makes yeah, it worse yeah it continues yeah. And, it, and it just seems to be a, and the parents don't know where to go uh, how to deal with it and, and they carry on and then it ends up if they end up in prison that's sometimes the only time where they get the chance to talk to someone and go, you know, this is what's going on, um, and then you've got to try and deal with it from there. So, I mean, uh, I'm going to go on quickly to the issue of, of how to deal with it then, if you're saying that when there's, uh, because that's further down when, they, when they're reaching Abdel Mateen's in that situation, but with yours, there's still scope of maybe potentially doing something. What do you think is, is the right approach from what you're seeing in terms of instead of being more harsh? But I think you've got every situation is going to be different. Um, but I think a lot of it will come down to communication. So it's actually realizing that your kids get to a certain age where you can no longer tell them, you know, what to do. But you have to actually sit down and build up a relationship with them where you discuss and go through things, and then gradually, as that relationships as that relationship stronger, you find that. Um, the kids can come back to you and talk to you and then you work through it that way. Communication, yeah, we talked a lot about that last last week. Um, I mean, you're, you're saying about how they can trace that back to their earlier ch- childhood and yeah. they themselves were victims. Um, in terms of us as parents with different ages and yourself, obviously, from your experience as well in the, in the, in the scouting, what priorities would you put in terms of the relationship that parents have with their children? What sh- where should they putting, be putting their efforts? It was one of my uh, good friends, and uh, Adil Ibrahim works in Pollock Shields and has also worked with the youngsters. Hopefully before they get into the young offenders or into the, the institutions, and he was making a very valid comment that sometimes we, we cotton wool, we, we protect, and we give too much of a, a fallback, um, and we're too soft on them. Uh, youngsters when they're making mistakes if they know they can fall back on the family business they don't have to do well at school so they muck around at school knowing that even if they do fail them all they're still going to get looked after the family is going to make sure that they're they're looked after that reality that if I mess up that that's me made a mess of it this is something that uh, he was pointing out and it's something I hadn't really thought as much about the more I think about that the more that does fit in and uh, we have to be a wee bit more uh, we have to think about how are we preparing our children as they grow up rather than making the decisions for them allowing them to make the decisions and supporting them even if the decision was a bad one and it turned out that they made a mistake or it was even if it's a sin that they made that decision they then experience the consequence and they then have to make good that shortcoming rather than it always being done for them and then the family cotton wooling and you know taking care of everything for them. Uh, so sometimes we can be too soft. 
And it's interesting you see that there's um, there's a saying I think by um, I think it's attributed to Sayyidina Ali where he says, whoever his parents don't bring him up properly, life will teach him the lessons that he should have learned. And in a sense, what you're saying is, there has to be real consequences yeah. to to their actions. And yeah. if you don't, you're actually hindering that child from growing up. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's and then when they do make those decisions, they're sometimes further down the journey, and it's a bigger decision they've made the mistake on. Yeah. Whereas it's it's like learning to drive. First gear is and an L plate is so you can come off the road. If you don't and you're going at ninety, uh, the the accident is a big accident. Be, yeah, definitely. Um, and the, ne- the 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 other question is, what about environmental factors? I mean, we live in in, in obviously a mix of aspects to that environment, whether it be in the, the issue with school, the issue with um, our local area, um, the mosque. I mean, the environments, and then obviously in the greater context of what they're hearing from the echoes of you know the, the what's happening in society at large. What can we do, or should we? You know, what should we do in terms of helping, uh, helping our children really in in that environment, so that they can steer themselves out. And I suppose you've mentioned a bit about that, but do you have anything else? You choosing their friends for them rather than letting them choose their friends. Uh, That's what age. <laughs> you can't do that to yeah. a twelve, thirteen-year-old. Um, yeah. But the earlier, the better. Right. The earlier okay. you allow them to, to make friends. And, and I know that we like to keep our children with our people and we don't want to let them go out with the others and what might they do to our children, how might they corrupt them. My experience growing up and my experience with my children growing up is that if you're in an environment where others are doing things that your mom and dad don't want you to do, and someone offers you that temptation, do you want a drink? And you say, no, I don't drink. That's the conversation finished. But when you're out with sometimes just your own people, it's all Muslims, and the Muslim youth are out, they sort of keep on nudging to go on and do that thing. Say, look, no one's looking, go on. You know, you're always yeah, yeah. trying to be triggered. <coughs> so they have a, a sort of a, a need to rebel a wee bit. Yeah. And that incitement or that encouragement by others to do it is sometimes very strong, that peer pressure. Um, for them to get involved and unfortunately a lot of the youngsters are involved in gang type of mentality and gang crimes and they don't realize until it's too late that when someone perpetuates a big major crime they're all going down for it so that's environmental effect on them but they need to learn early how to choose the right friends we can't choose the friends for them Um, they have to as I said make those mistakes they need to go through those uh, that that process. Did I get you right? You're saying that early on we should be involved in in their friendships when they're younger, but well, later we won't be naturally. Yeah, we we will naturally. But we later on, getting a broader a broader experience yeah. of friendship once where they let, can. Once yeah. you let that leash longer, and you yeah. let the child experience and and you know wonder for themselves, you yeah. can't keep on choosing the environment. If you're going to let them have that leash, you have to let them make a fall and learn from it. To also say that one of the things that I think sometimes we can get wrong uh, as parents is that we can become too worried about the, our kids' futures. So we can start to think that you know when we see something wrong or a sin committed, then we think that that's it, that's the end. You know, they're, yes. they're going to go way off track in this, and then as a result, our reactions to it can be drastic. Mm-hmm. And it can be that sudden drastic reaction that I found with some of the younger people that makes them actually go. Uh, you know the opposite direction because it's, it's strange. You know, I just you know, I done something small and all of a sudden, 
coming down on me like a ton of bricks, you know, what kind of parents are you? Yes, and, and I mean, how can they experience mercy if they're not, you know, if, if they're not getting that mercy experience from their parent when they've done something wrong, how will they return to, to God as a, as a merciful What's God? It? Even uh, as adults, we can understand that we make mistakes yeah. all the time. Yeah. We still make it, we will continue to make them. And we're not as harsh on ourselves sometimes as we can as, be. As in our children. Uh, it's out of concern, but... Yeah, we don't uh, let them listen to music because it's bad for them. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's, that's, I'm not going to say anything here. Um, religious knowledge and experience. I think before we were doing uh, doing this show, I talked about you, and one of the things that we talked with you about it, and um, you said that you feel people who reach that point have not had... Uh, or don't seem to have religious knowledge, and I'm I'm curious <coughs> what type of religious knowledge because I I wonder and and one of the shows later on we're going to be looking at is priorities of religious knowledge. What is the religious knowledge that we we want them to have? So in t- I want you to answer that. What's yeah? yeah. No, I, I find it a surprise. Like obviously, if, you know, when I was learning when I was younger in your typical um, madrasa or masjid, it was read the Quran as soon as you can read the Quran. Uh, that's you done so that was as far as your sort of religious knowledge went and even people that have that religious knowledge you can find can still end up in uh, in difficult situations yeah. Yeah, pr- yeah. so I don't think that is uh, you know that is the way that you know complete religious knowledge should be taught obviously reading the Quran correctly is important but you know developing yourself as a person and learning the rest of the deen uh, it is also important as well you know, being taught, you know, how to control anger, being taught how to be grateful, how to be charitable, how to forgive, you know, how to reconcile when things go wrong. I think that's also important. And that's what we find in the seerah of the Prophet. So I think that more focus on uh, on that type of On the akhlaq, on the on the Islamic studies, you know. Yeah. So rather than just learning how to pray, and how, which all these things are important, but, you know, you as a person, you know, will only pray less than an hour a day if you do pray. Yeah. You know, or you read the Quran, you know, maybe. If you're really strong, maybe half an hour every day. Yeah. But how are you, you know, as a person and what are your morals and your values? I think those are the things that you need and, to And where do you think that, that that can be learned? Because that's where, I suppose, we should be looking at somebody like Abdul Mateen <laughs> and scouting, you know, has, yeah, has scouting got a role to do with Islamic knowledge? <laughs> uh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, my upbringing uh, was within the scouts and when we went out to develop our spirituality, we didn't go out, we weren't taught Christianity by the, the Christian scout leaders that took scouts at that time and our spiritual development though was never neglected it was this character it was trustworthiness it was honesty it was wanting for your brother what you want for yourself that you're part of a worldwide membership of a scout fellowship all of these laws that are part of the movement sounds like uh, islam uh, this is where <laughs> it, it, it comes from it stems from the prophetic example um, and today unfortunately we we sometimes again are scared of this other and this feeling that the scout movement is still a christian thing it's it's a faith-based organization so yes the leaders by majority will be from a faith community which in this country is going to be christianity but they could also be coming from buddhism they could be coming from sikh communities they could be coming from uh 
Jewish communities, uh, scouting is for all these countries in the world. When we go international, we meet scouts from all over the world. And although the atida is different, the teaching of your religion is different, the morals and the values are shared and are common. Can you give me some of examples them. of these morals and values that are gradually um, um, taught or experienced from 7 8 on well, the, 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 the promise that the child makes when they join into this worldwide movement is to love God and to have fun. And that's as deep as it needs to get because that's already taken up, you know, a minute. And if you're talking any longer than a minute to a child, you've lost them. They just want to play dodgeball and run around. So it's a form of gratitude, <laughs> isn't it? Gratitude to be to have fun is to, to be grateful. Uh, eight to age of ten, we can we can deepen that and we can start talking about um, what it is what we promise to do. What is the law that we're going to keep, and what are the the consequences? And they make codes of conduct to themselves. So when they set their own rules from amongst their own peers, it's much easier than a parent trying to tell them you will not fight with each other, you will not, you will listen to the leaders, the elders. All these things come from them. They are developing this. It's their movement. They have ownership of it. Uh, and this moves out, uh, as I said, all the way through. So scouting today is something that I see as uh, the the thing that a lot of the people who end up in trouble missed out the opportunity. Um, as I said, it's it's a faith-based organization because when you're scouting and you've got your rucksack on and you're 20 miles from where you want to be and you realize that you're lost, that's when all of you start praying. It's, it's, it, you, you have found God at that situation. Uh, you're not being taught about who God is. You are experiencing yourself. You In find us, out yeah. that he provides from unseen sources and he protects and he looks after you and he answers your prayers. These are experienced by being outdoors and doing these types of activities. Again, spoon-fed children don't get to experience these. TCP-wiped children don't get immune systems. Yes, We have yeah. to let them go out and, and have a few bumps. They need to go out and have some experiences, get lost, make a bad decision, go the wrong way so that they can learn from that and next time they have that decision, hopefully they'll make the right decision. What about yourself, Abban? Do you feel there's other um, routes to uh, bringing that type of knowledge, that type of experiential knowledge? Or is there a role, a different role for, for teaching institutions to, to take on when they're, when they're educating our children? I agree with Brother Optimatine, and I think that if we look at some of uh, the adults that have got issues, then I think we need to maybe join Bear Grylls on his island for a wee while <laughs> and uh, quite improve the Russell community in Glasgow but um, no, I agree that uh, dif- different things, uh, different experiences are important we we don't live in a Muslim majority country uh, you know as maybe some of our forefathers did you know where everyone was just the one religion and even not just the one religion the one uh, what's it called madhab or the one sect of that religion so I think it, it is something that's very important that we need to, you know, mix with everyone, and almost we won't change Islam. We'll still have our, our rules and, and our practices, but how to apply it uh, in the setting where we live, I think that's important as well. Context is important, and I think even within education, previously that's one of the struggles that's been there is that trying to teach people about religion and not appreciate the culture or the land where we live and the language and things 
I think that does create problems. And so, the, the, do, do you then really the, the the way we're teaching a religion has to has to change to be able to allow them to see how they can be what you know Muslims practicing, but in this context because it's their world at the end of the day. I, I think so. You know, talking to people, you'll find that you know that they're struggling. You know, um, I'm a Muslim. Uh, I'm a uh, I'm a British. I'm a Scottish. I'm a all these questions. Uh, unionist yeah. or one pro-independence everyone's mixed up they don't know but at the same time I've got to be Muslim but yet all my friends are doing something uh, different so yeah I think that has to be uh, recognised and uh, we need to you know just like Brother Abdul Mateen was saying you don't always give everyone the answers you know but let's talk about it let's get everyone together include young people let them have the discussions and, and work their way through and yeah they will make uh, mistakes but that's fine as well because we're allowed to make mistakes. But you know, um, we're cu- we're coming up to to um, the the end of the show. Um, what one of the questions I had is, if you were to give, I've got like you, Abdul Mateen, we've got very young children, <laughs> and we've also got those at the very end of the well, not very end. Sorry, they're getting closer and closer to 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 the educational kind of uh, end of school, maybe, and then in between that, there's there's and if you were to give priorities in terms of we're we're limited in our time, you know what it's like in this in uh, in this life that we have and uh, and the amount of effective time that we have as parents. Mm. What would you say should be the priorities that we have in terms of how we spend that time with them um, when 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 we do have that time? Well, uh, my kids are not getting to the end of education. So, <laughs> although I've still I've got four kids as well, uh, but uh, they're all young. So I've got three in primary school, and uh, one that that's still at home isn't even in nursery. So, um, as a parent, I haven't really uh, thought of that. But um, maybe looking at some of the younger kids that are getting older and about to uh, finish up uh, in the classes that we teach. We've noticed there's a gap, so we've, what we've did is we've said what happens when kids reach 16, they usually mm. fall out of all Islamic education and then there's nothing until you're maybe, if you're in university, if you've got an organ, maybe some sort of group or organisation, you're lucky, but otherwise you kind of go on and sometimes that's the, there is no education. Sorry, I want to take you back, I'm talking about more about your parents' priorities in the context of what we've been talking about, the priorities of mm. what they should be spending their time with. The, oh, if they're going to the, the mosque, they're getting whatever they're getting. If they're going to scouting, they're getting whatever they're getting. Um, but in terms of parents, um, what would your advice be? Based on your experiences from the fields of work that you do, what would be the... How I, would you... I, when I was at a bad point, when I had the, the young family, I went and took mashura and asked my dad's brothers uh, traveled around to visit them they had just finished their careers they were retired their children had all grown up and were now married so they were becoming grandparents and I asked them what's looking back on their life what what's that lovely what's the value what's it and um, the uncle who was my my favorite uncle uh, uncle Dave passed away just at Christmas and I remember at the funeral saying to my cousin that it was your dad who I asked what's the most What's the special moment now? Now you're retired, you, you could, you've got the money, you can go, you could buy the house, you can buy, what is it you want? He said, just walking with the child when they spend, and they stoop down and they, they turn a stone over to discover what's underneath it. Mm. 
and being with the child at that moment. He said there's nothing more valuable. And that's the thing that we need to do, is to stop working to buy a pension, to buy things for our children and provide in the future. Allah's razak now, Allah's razak then. But we can choose how we spend our time now. To be to present. To be present. Yeah. To give your time. It's not your money they need. It's not the clothes. It's not the material things. It's to be there. To go at the end of term show, to be at the sports day, to be at their presentation. Just to be present. And especially for fathers. Mums are great at doing these things. They already do it in probably 24-7. <laughs> but it's fathers and male role models. Yeah. If we talk about Islamic education, if any of the... Um, groups that are doing as much as they can and Al-Mazan I'm very honoured to be able to be invited and work with them it's something that they also ad admit and the, the, it's having that male role models within our community and that's why if I can say anything please the males and the females get involved in the youth work become yeah. role models and not just for the Muslim youth for all youth yes. because we are for the whole of humanity the Quran is Hidayah for the whole of mankind so we don't need to just take our children out and educate and be mindful of our children we need to be mindful of all children you know that, that's brilliant I, this is uh, a, a learning for, uh, even this interview <laughs> is something for me to uh, take away and think about so yeah. no, I th sounds good it is I mean it's uh, that's it that's really what we're talking about mindfulness and parenting when we defined it is actually to be present at the moment and thanks very much with that and with that we'll end Jazakumullah khairan Assalamu alaikum For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.